the Jenny Catron Leadership Podcast brought to you by Foresight. At Foresight, we are cultivating healthy leaders to lead thriving organizations. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. Please enjoy the rest of our show. Well, hey, friends, welcome back. I'm your host, Jenny Catron, founder and CEO of the Foresight Group. And today we're going to talk about one of the biggest challenges that I hear leaders reference in my coaching, in my consulting. This is one of the things that I hear leaders talk about all the time, and it's how to lead in chaos. Sometimes it feels like we're constantly living in chaos as leaders, and to some degree, I think it's actually true and not necessarily wrong. So we're going to dive into this conversation today, but let me ask you a few questions. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where the answer just wasn't clear? Maybe it was a decision to take a new job in a different city. Maybe it was a really confusing or inconsistent relationship. None of us have had those, have we? Maybe it was taking a risk that didn't seem to have a clear reward. Have you ever found yourself frustrated with all the decisions that you have to make as a leader? That one's real, isn't it? And I think we would all agree that there is little about life that is easy to navigate. We face tough decisions every single day. And as a leader, you're not only facing your own decisions, but you're navigating the decision-making for your entire team or and or your organization. So you're facing a lot of decisions um, that you're constantly kind of swirling in, right? My friend Brad Lominick says, leaders live and lead in the middle of the mess where the tension is constant, prevalent, and real. And I bet you're all nodding. I'm gonna read that again. Brad says, leaders live and lead in the middle of the mess where the tension is constant, prevalent, and real. Congratulations, leaders. This is our world. And I believe that our leadership won't flourish until we really embrace the truth that as leaders, we live in a constant state of tension. This is our reality. We live between what is and what could be. We straddle the known and the unknown. We wrestle the probable with the possible. We balance status quo with innovation. We have to understand where we are, yet convince our teams to keep going. This is the reality of our tension, isn't it? And there are numerous tensions great leaders navigate each and every day. And living with these tension is a tension in and of itself, isn't it? This constant tug and pull stretches you to either expand and grow or snap under the stress. So if you're anything like me, sometimes you find yourself frustrated with the complexity, right? You're just like, could I have a day uh, that could just be, couldn't leadership be easier for just one day, right? Like sometimes that's the question. Couldn't leadership be easier for just one day? Could I please have a day when I don't need to make a decision? But if all of life were clear shades of black and white, or if there were no difficult decisions to be made, I honestly don't think there'd be a need for leaders. And this is the game-changing reality for us. The great tension and the great responsibility of leadership 
means navigating the complexity our circumstances present. That's actually what we do. It's who we are. That willingness to engage the tension is what separates us from the pack. That's kind of what distinguishes us as leaders. So these tensions of leadership kind of fascinate me because I believe there's so much that we can learn from them. But if I'm honest, they also really frustrate me. And in studying that frustration, I've learned that identifying and naming these tensions allows me to see them as part of my leadership growth rather than a nuisance to avoid. So what I had to embrace as a leader was that engaging the tension, engaging the chaos is actually what I do as leader. I don't think the tension ever goes away, by the way. (laughs) Leading through these tensions is at the heart of what we do as leaders. And just shifting that mindset will help you engage this better, differently and better. So the very purpose of leadership is to effectively navigate the tensions facing ourselves, our organization, and our teams. And what I know to be true is that leaders emerge most prominently when things are confusing and chaotic. If you think about some of your best leadership moments, they were probably in those moments where things were confusing, there was tension, there, things were chaotic, and your best showed up when you could help lead a team through that chaos or through that tension. See, that's when we need great leaders. That's when leaders emerge. And so today I want to give you some things to be thinking about that will help you more confidently engage that tension, engage that complexity and that chaos. One of my favorite extraordinary leaders in the Bible is Nehemiah. And in the Old Testament book named for him, Nehemiah led the Jewish people to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. You've probably been are familiar with this story, but the wall of Jerusalem had laid in shambles for 70 years. And while the Jewish people had returned to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple after 50 years of exile, they were never able to finish the wall around the temple. It was left in ruin because they faced opposition each time they attempted to complete it. So they were discouraged, right? No leader before Nehemiah had the clarity of vision and the influence to overcome obstacles to accomplish this pretty monumental task, like it was a big undertaking. And what's striking about Nehemiah's story is that he wasn't personally affected by the wall. He actually didn't live in Jerusalem at the time. He was, born, he was in Judea, serving as the cupbearer to the king of Persia. So he has this high-profile position. He's earned a respected seat of influence. So the fact that he's concerned about the people in his homeland, I think first and foremost speaks volume about his character as a leader because he's doing fine. Like personally, he's good. The wall doesn't really directly affect him and yet he shows concern. And as you read through the story, you quickly see that Nehemiah understood the complexity of the leadership task before him. He recognized that there was a problem to solve and that no one else was stepping up to solve it. Right. So he identifies this need. He identified the leadership vacuum that existed and he felt called to help lead through it. And so here's two things I notice immediately, things that Nehemiah knew. First, he knew that leadership means navigating complexity. He also understood that confusion always hinders momentum. 
Now, what I mean by that is that there was confusion over how and what and you know what to do to rebuild the wall. They were facing obstacles and resistance every time they tried. And so that confusion was hindering momentum, hindering momentum to the to the Jewish people being able to feel uh, the, that they had rebuilt the wall that provided safety, structure, support, um, lots of things that were important in that day and era. So Nehemiah that the confusion Nehemiah knew that the confusion around the rebuilding of this wall was hindering their momentum as a people group and um and as in rebuilding the wall itself. And lead, Nehemiah knew that leadership means navigating complexity. He knew that this would not be simple, right? Like he had gotten the reports, he had done the research and the homework and he knew this was not going to be simple. So Nehemiah knew leadership means navigating complexity. And he knew that confusion always hinders momentum. And I want you to be thinking about those two things as it relates to your leadership. And so as we look at Nehemiah's actions, I want uh, to see how he employed what I call the dimensions of an extraordinary leader. And if you've read my book, The Four Dimensions of Extraordinary Leadership, this will have even greater application to you. Uh, but this, is, this whole concept is taken a bit from chapter two of the book. But as we look at Nehemiah's actions, we see how he employed the dimensions of an extraordinary leader to lead himself and others through the complexity of the problem that they're facing. And so we're going to look at these five things because these have application to whatever challenge that you're navigating as a leader. And the first thing that Nehemiah did is he identified the problem. After spending a few days in Jerusalem assessing the situation, Nehemiah told the other leaders in quotes, he says, you see the trouble we're in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. So the first task of the leader is to define reality, especially when a complex problem lies between where you are and where you desire to go. In Nehemiah's case, it was a wall that lay in ruins and those ruins symbolized a lack of hope, a lack of strength, and a lack of direction for God's people. He was burdened. Nehemiah owned it. It was personal. So the first thing he did was he identified the problem. He understood what was at stake. The second thing he did is he involved others. So this was kind of the relational side of Nehemiah's leadership. He knew he couldn't do this alone. He needed others to help him accomplish the vision of restoring the wall. See, Nehemiah's role as cupbearer to the king was not an accident. He strategically used his place of influence to petition the king for permission to take a leave of absence from his job to lead the rebuilding effort. So this was going to require some, some special privileges, right? In addition, he asked the king to write letters to other government officials from whom he would need help. So in each step of the process, Nehemiah cast vision and began recruiting help, first to the officials, then to the priests, and finally to the citizens of Jerusalem. He engaged and involved people at every level, and scripture says that the people worked with all their heart. See, Nehemiah knew he needed others. He wasn't going to be able to go it alone on this. There were other people who were critical to making this happen. And so he involved others. The third thing he did is he prayed over it. 
Now, he actually probably did this first, but uh, I have it listed here as, as the third thing he did. But Nehemiah displayed spiritual leadership by praying for God to give him direction for how to proceed. Actually, one of my favorite things to do is to read through the book of Nehemiah and notice everywhere where it says that he prayed and he sought God. Like it kind of convicts me every time I read it because I notice that here's this strategic leader, this brilliant strategic leader, but he is so intentional to seek God and to pray through this. According to Haley's Bible handbook, he spent four months in prayer before he made his request to the king. So Nehemiah hears that there's a problem, that the walls are in ruins, and he understands the significance of that. But he spends four months in prayer before he even requests, uh, makes his request to the king for him to be able to take his leave of absence. And scripture cites numerous times where he paused to pray throughout the project. And these weren't puny prayers. Nehemiah 1.4 tells us that Nehemiah wept mourned, fasted, and prayed before the God of heaven. And it begs me to ask myself and ask you the question, when was the last time your heart hurt like that on behalf of someone else? See, those are the marks of an extraordinary leader. Remember, Nehemiah wasn't even personally affected by this, but his people uh, were. And he had such a heart and such a passion for it. And so, he, it says he wept, he mourned, he fasted, and he prayed over this. The fourth thing he did is he developed a plan. Super practical, right? But upon arriving in Jerusalem, Nehemiah visits the remnants of the wall, and he outlines a plan for rebuilding. He took his plan to the city officials and received their blessing, thanks in large part to the letters from the king. And with permission to build, Nehemiah recruited the workers, and he provided clear direction and regular guidance, especially when they face challenges. So again, go back and reread through the story of Nehemiah. It's super fascinating. But when opposition arose, he posted guards day and night. When the laborers grew fatigued because of the threats of attack, he created rotations so that their responsibilities and the associated pressures would vary. Nehemiah's attentiveness to the details of the process and the implications of the work for the people exemplified his awareness of managerial leadership. Like we don't love to think about management. We always want to think about leadership. I actually believe management is a component of leadership. And Nehemiah demonstrates this. He builds a plan. He develops a plan. And then he manages through that plan. Like he's attentive to every step along the way, coaching, providing direction, redeploying people. Um, all along the way, he demonstrates great management. And then the fifth thing he did is he saw the possibility. Nehemiah developed a personal passion for this problem. And from that passion, a vision of hope for the future was born. While he identified a problem, he also caught a vision for the possibilities. He saw potential. In fact, a lot of other people were no longer seeing potential or possibility, and Nehemiah saw it. The fact that Nehemiah developed this vision on behalf of others is significant. He didn't see the possibilities as a benefit for himself. He saw the possibilities for others. And amidst criticism, threats on his life, grumbling from those he was seeking to help. So he's actually trying to help people and they're starting to get frustrated and they're grumbling and they're complaining. And it, even amidst all of that and the difficulties of the task, Nehemiah stayed the course and displayed unwavering commitment to the vision that God had given him. His selfless leadership showcased the strength of an extraordinary leader. 
So what gives leaders like Nehemiah the courage to lead through a seemingly impossible obstacle? Remember, no leader before him had been able to accomplish it. How do you muster the moxie to take on a task that others have shied away from or even failed at? Because I bet some of you are in situations where a leader before you actually was not able to accomplish it. Maybe you're coming in on the heels of a transition and uh, things have not been going well. How do you embrace the tension between possibility and the fear of the unknown? It's real, isn't it? In their book, The Leadership Pipeline, How to Build the Leadership-Powered Company, Ram Sharan, Stephen Drotter, and James Noel argue that leaders need to be aware of the passages they must go through in their development, specifically as they climb the ranks within an organization. Passage six leads to the highest level of most organizations, and the authors assert that it's here where the transition is much more focused on values than skills. They go on to say that as leaders of an institution, managers must be long-term visionary thinkers. At the same time, they must develop operating mechanisms to know and drive quarter-by-quarter performance that's in tune with longer-term strategy. So in essence, the, the authors are explaining the tension that leaders must embrace to effectively lead with increased levels of responsibility. Okay, did you hear that? That... There's a tension that leaders must embrace to effectively lead with increased levels of responsibility. The more responsibility you have, the more tension that you're managing. So extraordinary leaders understand that they have to think differently and think on behalf of the entire organization rather than only the portion for which they're specifically responsible. And this is a big, like, overarching leadership uh, thing that you need to embrace, is that you've got to learn as a leader, as you grow in your responsibility, you've got to think on behalf of the whole organization. See, when we fully embrace the reality that complexity is our playing field as leaders, this is our reality, congratulations, complexity is where you live. It becomes a game changer for how we approach our leadership. We no longer see complexity as a frustration. We see it as an opportunity. Because complexity is where our best leadership happens. We see the potential that we get to lead our teams to. And part of being a leader is being able to see what's on the other side of the complexity. You have to be future-oriented. You have to see it before it's reality. And as a leader, you have a vision for the outcome, and you lead your team confidently through that and to that. So I want to give you four things that you can do to lead in the chaos, to lead in that complexity or tension. And the first thing you can do is pray, right? We can look at the story of Nehemiah and we see the examples of every time that he paused and he prayed. So you as a leader have to be committed to praying over this. And if I'm honest with you guys, this is one of those things that I struggle with. I am very strategic. I will think through a plan. I will build the plan and I will help us take action But I am convicted every time I read the book of Nehemiah because of how he demonstrates that commitment to praying and seeking God before he takes action. So as a leader, when you're identifying these seasons, these moments of complexity and chaos, you have got to pray. Secondly, you've got to take the first step, which is often the scariest. Embracing the tensions of leadership means being willing to go first. It requires the bravery of a first step. I think of the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant and were about to cross the Jordan River. God had promised that the waters would part so that they could cross over to the promised land, yet it wasn't until their feet touched the water's edge that the river stopped flowing 
and they were able to cross. Now, that's a big deal, you guys. So God's promised that the waters would part. I'd be sitting there on the sidelines, you know, just kind of on the in the sand waiting for the waters to stop. And they had to actually take a step before they did. Joshua and the priests had to be willing to go first. They had to be willing to be one step ahead. And as leaders, that's what we've got to be willing to do. We've got to be willing to go first and to take the first step. When we as leaders choose to take the first step, those that we lead can see our confidence and our faith. We can't rush ahead or get impatient. We must give guidance and coach passionately. But extraordinary leaders lead through the tension. We don't get lost in it. We don't get bogged down by it. We push through it to find clarity and provide the next step for others. On numerous occasions, I've worked with teams that have had a tendency to get paralyzed by their desired outcome. So they see what they're hoping for, but they get paralyzed by it because it feels so far from reality or they quickly get discouraged by their perceived inability to get from where they are today to where they hope to be in the future. And so they just get paralyzed. Recently, one of the teams that I worked with several years ago posted pictures from an event and hundreds of people participated in an event that was only a dream when we first began working through the challenges that were kind of impeding the growth that they were hoping for, right? They didn't arrive at today's reality overnight. It came through focus, dedication, and a commitment from their leader to take it step by step, celebrating every little win along the way, by the way. And so we've got to be willing as leaders to take that first step. The third thing that you can do is you need to face your fears. Embracing the tensions of leadership doesn't mean we don't face fear because we do. But in the complexity, we face some of our greatest fears, fear of inadequacy, fear of failure, fear of criticism, fear of making the wrong decision. You fill in the blank with whatever that fear is for you. Often the difference between success and stagnation is confronting a fear. So you've got to face your fears. You've got to choose to face the loneliness of being the only one who sees the potential clearly, because I bet that's part of what you're navigating. You must choose to face that loneliness. You must fight through it. You must push through so that you can lead others through it as well. And once you lead them through the tension, uh, you'll get the privilege of seeing your team experience the joy of a clear moment and a realized victory. It is so worth it, you guys. And then fourth, inspire hope. Extraordinary leaders offer hope in the midst of intense circumstances. They're aware of how unsettling complexity is to their teams, and they continue to motivate and encourage them through the process. See, the complexity of leadership is all about seeing through the chaos and casting a compelling vision to lead people through it. They need you to keep reminding them, to help keep clarifying for them, why are we doing this? Why does it matter? You've got to keep that vision in front of them. Deciphering complex moments of leadership is not an exact science either. It's as easy to get wrong as it is to get right, and you're not always going to get it right, by the way. Extraordinary leadership takes courage, intuition, discernment in prayer. It takes energy, patience, hope, and determination. Extraordinary leaders step up to make decisions and to guide the way, especially when circumstances are complex, chaotic, uh, and tentious. But I believe you realize you're a leader the moment you recognize no one else is going to address the problem. It's up to you. So let me give you some questions to think about this week. Who are your people and what is your burden? 
right? What is that burden? What is that, that wall that's in ruins in your world? Do you have a passion and conviction about leading through it? Do you usually avoid tension or do you embrace it? Just notice that about yourself. What leadership tension do you need to be more purposefully engaged in right now? So I bet there's a some, some place in your organization where there's some tension, there's some chaos, there's some complexity, and your team probably needs you to step into it. So what is that? And what can you do to more purposefully engage it right now? What's that first step that you can take? And what is there a way you can take that first step for others, right? And just helping provide that leadership, provide that direction. So my four things for you, four things you can do to lead in chaos is pray. So whatever that burden is, whatever you're noticing, the tension, the chaos, the thing that you need to engage, I want you to pray over it. I want you to take the first step. I want you to face your fears, get honest, get real about that. And then inspire the team with hope. Help them see that future. So thanks for joining us today. I hope this gave you some stuff to chew on. Go back, read the book of Nehemiah. Super inspiring and also really practical. And uh, make sure that you are subscribed so you don't miss an episode. We have some great interviews coming up. So I'm really excited about the next few weeks here on the podcast. And uh, it's a huge help to us if you rate, review, share it. All of that is super, super helpful. And I'm so grateful when you do it. And if this episode um, helped you in some way, be sure to check out my book, The Four Dimensions of Extraordinary Leadership. Um, This this episode was actually taken from chapter two of the book where I talk about this whole idea of leading in chaos. And so um, the book kind of further unpacks, you know, just what that looks like to be an extraordinary leader. So it's The Four Dimensions of Extraordinary Leadership. You can find it wherever books are sold. So go check that out. And if you email me at podcast at getforesight.com, podcast at getforesight.com, you can request our free digital workbook that accompanies the book. So go pick up the book and then just send us a quick email. Say, hey, I got the book. Can you send me the workbook? And we'll send that to you free. Also, we'll get you signed up for our Leadership Insights, which just give you weekly resources to help you in your leadership journey. Because my passion is to cultivate healthy leaders to lead thriving organizations. So keep leading well, and we'll catch up next time. Thank you for listening to the Jenny Katrin Leadership Podcast. If you have any questions, please email Jenny at podcast at get the number four site.com. If this content has helped you in any way, we would love for you to share this podcast with your friends and on social networks. Also, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of the amazing content coming from the Jenny Catron Leadership Podcast. Your comments mean the world to us, so please rate and leave comments on our podcast. And remember, you need foresight for success. We will see you next time.